This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. What's up, H-Town? Welcome to the Believe in Astros podcast, your home for all things Astros. With your hosts, sports writer Jeff Balky and Astros broadcaster and former third baseman Jeff Blob. Here's Bulky and Blubber. What is up, H-Town? Welcome to episode 16 of the Believe in Astros podcast on the Believe Podcasting Network. I'm Jeff Balky, my partner, of course, uh, Jeff Blum. Uh, you can find us on Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, of course, on YouTube. Uh, be sure to like and subscribe uh, to keep up with us. And give us a follow on Twitter, at Believe in Astros, B-L-E-A-V in Astros. You can find me, at Jeff Balke, J-E-F-F-B-A-L-K-E, and Blummer, at Blummer27. Send us comments, questions, sandwich suggestions, fishing hotspots, <laughs> whatever you got. We'll take them. <laughs> Thanks for joining Absolutely. us today. Uh Blummer, how you doing? Uh, how is Tampa Bay? And uh, obviously the Astros are winning, so all things are good at the moment. Yeah, fortunately, winning is the cure of everything. And even for me, being in Tampa, winning is better than uh, being in Tampa. <laughs> but uh, I mean, I have a long history here. Uh, 2004, my issues with Lou Pinella and not playing extremely well. There were a lot of uh, a lot of things going on that season. But the best thing to come out of 2004 is the fact that I got to meet Todd Callis, my partner, for hey. the first time. When he was doing sideline down here in Tampa, so uh, you know it, that that part of it is good, and uh, my time here, though limited, I'm grateful for that. <laughs> well, you know, Tampa Bay, really, the best thing about Tampa Bay are Cuban sandwiches. That's the best thing about Tampa Hands Bay. Hands down, no, I'm with you, you know, on that. And and that's where they essentially. Saint Arnold came Brewery from. has one of the best Cuban sandwiches in Houston. Do they really? Trust okay, me. I got to try oh, yeah. that one because. I do write occasionally about sandwiches for the Houston Press, and uh, it, it's been okay. a long-running thing with me because I love a good sandwich. Um, so I'll have to try out the St. Arnold's. I mean, I know a lot of the guys over there. I've, I've been going there for years, but I'll definitely have to try that. That's good to know. Um, so we've clinched the AL West. Uh, still more, you know, still quite a bit more to do, but um, obviously, big celebration for the team. It, it's interesting to me. They they had a sort of a subdued on-field, and then you know, full-on pop the court mm-hmm. champagne celebration uh, in the clubhouse, as it probably should be. Um, two questions for you. One, what does that feel like to win, the AL, to win a division? And two, does champagne truly sting the eyeballs? First, first things first, winning is is always good, and winning the division. It's it's a, there's a sincere accomplishment in those guys' minds when you go out and win a division. You know, I had the chance to win the West with the San Diego Padres, uh, actually a yeah. couple of times, and then I had a chance, obviously in 2005, to win the Central in the American League with the Chicago White Sox, and then in 2011 I won the uh, the West again with the Arizona Diamondbacks in 2011. So, you know, that's one of the that's the first step. And I think you kind of see that with some of these ball clubs where they are, 
you know, they they appreciate the effort and how how hard it is to get there. And you're going to put your name at the top of the list when you talk about division winners. But yeah. at the same time, it's just getting that ticket to the dance. And I think that's where some of the celebration comes in later. We realize, okay, we got a second season. All the pain, all the injuries, all the slumps, and all the highs kind of go away. And you start a new yeah. season, and you're kind of reinvigorated in that sense. But uh, the champagne, nothing stings more in your eyes than champagne. And I mean, we've all really? had the soaps and the shampoos and, yeah, yeah. and various other things. But you, you put champagne in your eyes, and that's a sting that will linger for a little while. But it's a good sting. <laughs> well, it's good to know. I mean, I've, I've had a little champagne fla- splashed on me from time to time, but never sprayed directly in my eyes. And uh, it's, I've, I've heard it's painful, so I'm going to try and avoid that as much as I can in the future. There was a really interesting post from uh, Daniel Kramer, who covers the Seattle Mariners, uh, the other night when the Astros won the uh, American League West. And he said, since the Mariners turned their season around on June 21st, when they were 10 games under 500, they have a 52-26 and 26 record, which is fourth best in baseball. Yet they've still lost ground to the Astros in the AL West. <laughs> yeah, you're sitting there going from 13 games back to 15 games back, and he just said complete dominance. I mean, that's really that's remarkable when you think about it. They have one of the best records in baseball over the last you know half a season almost, and yet they are they've actually gone down in the standings. I mean, that's yeah. just unbelievable. This Astros team is just a machine. Yeah, who is it? Sisyphus, who's pushing the boulder up the hill and yeah, just never, right. you know, gets yes, to the top and correct. falls down. I think they're exactly. they're the they're the Sisyphus that just pushes it around the base of the hill. They, they <laughs> you know, just because the Astros continue to build that mountain that much higher, it's incredible right. that you can have the fourth best record yet. The team you're chasing is playing almost two times as good as you are playing, and all of a sudden you find yourself 15, 16 games back. They've already clinched the West, and now you're trying to fight for a play, you know, just a wild card spot. Yeah, I, it's it's really remarkable to think of just you know where these teams are at this point, um, and you know I'm I'm going to talk a little about the offense. I want to pimp first this story I've read on this Dusty Baker, the true stories of Dusty Baker on the Athletic. If you don't have a subscription to the Athletic, you should really get it. Now owned by the New York Times, but definitely one of the better uh, sports publications out there. And it's just some of the best stories you'll ever read about the Astros manager, and he really has been just like the perfect guy for this team coming off of the cheating scandal in 2017. Um, and he's just, you know, I mean, like they say, he's, he's, you know, won more games than virtually anybody been around the game forever. And, uh, you know, he really is just the right guy for this team, you know, right now, who, who knows if it's going to be the same next year or the year after, but he really has stabilized the ship and and you know done just a tremendous amount for the organization. No, just being a distraction from everything that happened in 2020 and the turmoil they were in, and then you put a mm-hmm. face like Dusty Baker out there who does have legacy within this game beyond anybody that we know. Uh, as yeah. a play, you know, it would be interesting to put his playing record with his managing record and see how many right. games he's actually won because you know he's been involved in in so many great teams as a player you know I vividly remember watching him with the 80s Dodgers when I was growing up in the LA area and then now playing oh, yeah. you know having played against him for years as a manager 
And then eventually having him as the manager of the Astros and getting to know him a little bit better and hearing some of those stories and some of the content and knowledge that is inside that skull is absolutely incredible. And then uh, hopefully it rubs off on these guys. And he's obviously got these guys playing in in a tremendous fashion because when we broke camp in 2022 in spring training, we all said, yes, they're going to be good. They're the class of the American League West. They should win the division. They have. Little do we know they were going to win it by 15, 16 games like we're talking about. But it's also, you know, I think that's a credit to Dusty recognizing the talent, pushing the talent, encouraging them, uh, staying by them, and maybe pushing them beyond the limits they even thought they had. Because, you know, he puts a lineup out there consistently. And in this day and age of health analytics and protecting guys' bodies, Dusty's like, hey, man, we have 162 games. I've got thoroughbreds in my lineup. I'm going to put them out there every day because I want to win. So you kind right. of, you know, inadvertently instill that idea of we're going to the post every single day with my boys and we're going to win yeah. some ball games and it's paid off for him because he's a, he's at a better pace than 2019. We put up a we put up a graphic the other day right. on a broadcast. This is the earliest they've ever clinched a division in the history of the Houston Astros. Wow. That's unbelievable and the fact that they're you know, they. I, I think I wrote it that they need to go ten and three to win. Uh, yeah, I think now they're down to, to like nine and four or something like. I think that, it's to like nine and four to, to tie two thousand <laughs> ten and three to eclipse it. And at the rate they're going, it's hard to imagine that they're not going to get it really close to that number, if yeah. not beat it. De, de, you know, depending on how they decide to rest players as we go down the stretch. But you know, you look at all that. Jordan's player of the week in the AL. What else is new? He's back. Uh, He's back. Um, to, uh, you know, Kyle Tucker hits 100 RBI for the first time. Jeremy Pena's had a couple of home runs in the past few games. He's starting to see the ball better. And this is also, Kyle. never mind, against the fact that we're against two of the better pitchers in the American League, including Cy one. Young candidates, yeah. Cy Young candidates, exactly. And even Yuli Gurriel, you know, actually making a little bit of a move. Um mm-hmm. The, the bats are coming around. You know, you, you had a great line about the Astros I, on last night's broadcast about them not, or maybe it's last night or night four, about them not wasting at bats in the post game. And you say <laughs> they do not Thank waste you. at bats. They, and I, that was something that I've thought for a long time. I've read a lot of things about that. What exactly does that, how did the Astros do that? And what is their philosophy there? I mean, the philosophy is is a culture that they've created in the organization going back to about 2013-14 when they started to draft extremely well, when they started to develop extremely well. We didn't see it at the big league level in 13-14, but we started to see signs of it in 15-16. And obviously since 2017, it's been off the charts, but they've developed this culture of we're not going to expand our zone. We're not going to swing at your pitches. We're going to force you to throw us pitches inside the zone. And when you do make the mistake, inside the zone. I'm going to absolutely step all over it and hit it as hard as I possibly can. And then I'm going to get to first base and I'm going to wait to see what my guy can do behind me. And whether it be a walk or a slug, you know, the Astros do a phenomenal job of OPS, on-base percentage right. and slugging percentage. And that's what's kind of vaulted them to the top of the ranks as far as uh, division winners, World Series contenders. And 
what that's done is it's established an idea in the opposing team's pitching that we can't make mistakes, number one, and we also yeah. have to make pitches in the zone. So when you combine the fact that yeah. I have to make a pitch in the zone, I better be good with it on edge. And if I'm not on the edge, oh boy, I've got damage coming my way. And then if I get a little too nibblerish, nibblerish, mm-hmm. if that's a word, you know, on the edges <laughs> and I miss, yeah. all of a sudden I've got two guys on, Jordan steps up and boom, there's a three-run home run and all of a sudden you're down early. It's really amazing to me how disciplined they are. You know, for the last five years or so, six seasons or so, they have, you know, been at the top of the league in strikeouts and at the top of the league in walks. And it, and mm-hmm. it's just a remarkable number considering all of the power they have in their lineup, considering yeah. the guys. Look, Nobody really talks about how great Jose Altuve has been this season. I mean, the really just I mean, since April, like when he when he struggled kind of getting out of the gate, he has been phenomenal at just staying and just consistent, you know, just consistent. Mm -hmm. And that's what the Astros really have. They have this remarkable consistency from all of these different guys throughout their lineup. And you're right. They really don't swing at bad pitches. And you see it in the middle of the season. Guys like Jeremy Payne, he starts swinging outside of the zone a little bit. Jordan Alvarez, the hands are hurting, so he's expanding that zone a little bit, swinging out. Well, that's ended. They're like, okay, they go back to the drawing board. They look at the film. They obviously make corrections. And you can see them just getting better as we get closer to the postseason at the plate. That's got to be terrifying for opposing pitchers, especially going into Tampa Bay and doing what they've done the last two nights. I mean, we knew Tampa Bay was not a great hitting team, but they, but shutting them out and then really just getting runs when they need them, it's mm-hmm. just been kind of an impressive couple of games uh, against them. I mean, I am just really surprised, honestly, that they've kind of manhandled their way to these two wins. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know what kind of hopes the Rays had coming into this postseason? I know they're yeah. contending for a wild card and they should be able to make it into the playoffs, but I know that yeah. the Houston Astros have really established the fact that they are uh, the elite of the elite in the American League and yep. that the Tampa Bay Rays are going to have a tough time competing. You know, when they come into this ballpark where they don't swing the bats normally extremely well and put up five runs every game and then shut out the opposing team, it kind of exposes yep. their dominance to the other team. And one thing that doesn't get talked about and you'll hear it in articles writ, you know, that or you'll hear it in quotes from guys on the opposing team or managers for the opposing mm-hmm. team, the respect they have for the Astros. Now, when you hear that we have respect for the Astros, that means we're scared out of our minds. These guys come in with a certain amount <laughs> of authority funny. that they don't want to right. admit to openly, but underneath, they walk in and they they'll they'll say it right to me and TK, Julia, and some of these other coaches. They'll walk up and go, damn, this team is good. And you can't argue that. I mean, they are a very good, well-oiled machine. Yeah, they just and and I think right now, like watching them the last five or six seasons, this might be the best overall the team has been. You know, because in in the yeah. you know look in the in a couple of the seasons they had their pitching struggled. Then they had a season where their hits they weren't hitting quite as well, but they're but they were pitching really well. This year is the first year we've really seen those two things come together. I, and I want to I want to talk a little bit about pitching because I read this in crazy statistic. This is from Jeremy Frank at uh, at MLB Random Stats, and he said every player who's pitched for the Astros this year, besides Ronel Blanco, <laughs> who pitched six and a third, and Pedro Baez, who only pitched two and a third innings has an ERA under four, 
which means 99.3% of their innings have come from sub 4.0 ERA pitchers. The last team to finish with a higher percentage was the 1979 Baltimore Orioles, who had 100%. So wow. that is just incredible that they have had nearly 100%, and really we can just say 100%, given that only two guys have pitched eight innings that are over four ERA. It's it's hard to really fathom that, and now you have to start thinking about, okay, we've got all these guys that are pitching well. I mean, you can only carry 13 pitchers on the playoff roster. <laughs> Right. Yeah, that benefits so, the opposing team. <laughs> exactly. Right. It does, right? And think about this. They have seven legitimate starters. They have yeah. guys at the bottom end of their starting rotation who would likely be a number two or number three on the vast majority of Hands teams down. in baseball. And so, and when you bring in Hunter Brown, who's just another of that, uh, you know, what are we going to do when playoffs come? I mean, I did, look, Luis Garcia has been pitching really well. Jose Urquidy has been a little shaky uh, the last few games. Um, Hunter Brown is obviously comfortable coming out of the bullpen as he came out and just blew Jeez. away yeah. in three innings on, on Monday night. Uh, I mean, what are they going to do, Blummer? How are they going to handle that? Because uh, it just <laughs> seems like, an, I mean, I wouldn't want to make those decisions. No, you got to look at the overall body of work. And, you know, Luis Garcia and Jose Urquidy, even though they've had their struggles down the stretch, uh, they, they have experience in the postseason. And I'm just trying to nitpick and yeah. make arguments and just kind of stir the pot a little bit. Those two guys have experience. So does that trump what they've done lately? Or are you in the camp that says, what have you done for me lately? Because right. if you go back and look at Urquidy's outings, he's done very good on the road against the Atlanta Braves, against the New York Yankees. He's yeah. pitched well against the Chicago White Sox. So he's faced some really good competition. Mm -hmm. And then you think about Luis Garcia. Okay, maybe he doesn't have the stamina to go six or seven innings in a game, but his fastball is slider and some of his other pitches play against right-handed pitching or right-handed right. hitters that he's done extremely well against. So do you do you put him in your bullpen and find a way to match him up or do you have him piggyback with a Hunter Brown in a postseason situation and do, do what we saw the other day against the Tampa Bay right. Rays where they combined for a shutout. You know, but with the emergence of Hunter Brown and the dynamic of his ability to go out yeah. there and throw velocity in the zone is hyper appealing. His slider, which is some freak pitch from a planet we haven't heard of at 92 <laughs> to 96, is yeah. something to think about. So he can come in and clean house if you need to. Uh, but but that's where you're going to start having to have to go is, what have you done for me lately? What have you done against competition? How have you done on the yeah. road in hostile environments? These are a lot of things that are going to go in there. And then, of course, you have to think about who you're matching up against in that division yeah. series. It's a short series, so maybe you don't stockpile pitching because you don't need that much of it. And you mm -hmm. stockpile on position players that can match up and do damage. But once you get to the championship series and World Series, then you start to expand. And like you said, yeah. think about the 13 pitchers you're going to need. And again matchups, some of the peripherals, you know, those are the things that you got to think about. And it's going to be, this is probably going to be one of the toughest years to make rosters just because so many guys are so good in that yeah. bullpen and in that starting rotation. Well, they had to send Seth Martinez down. I mean, Seth <laughs> Martinez has got like a two, 206 <laughs> I mean, or something, man. Are I you mean, kidding me? This Seth is a tough Martinez, league. If Seth Martinez would play for just anybody. I mean, they, anybody would be thrilled to he'd have him. He'd be a leverage guy somewhere else. Oh, for sure he'd be a leverage guy. It's really just, 
it's it's an, as we've said here before, it's an embarrassment of riches. Um, I do wonder, you know, the piggyback thing. I wonder if they would do that in a five game series, or if they would reserve that maybe too. for seven, because you have so many guys that are good. If you if you said, okay, we're just going to throw four guys, right, and that's mm-hmm. it in this first round. Well, then it seems pretty clear that the four guys you're going to go with are going to be Justin Verlander, uh, Framber Valdez, probably Lance McCullers, and probably oh, yeah. Christian Javier. I mean, it yeah. seems to me those are the guys you're probably going to go with just because of not only how they've been. It's going to be a toss-up to me between Javier and Yurkiti. I think it's almost like a coin mm-hmm. toss between those two guys. And you're right, it might come down to matchups, uh, you know, who they, you think favors that particular uh, team that they're going to be playing against. But I don't know if you even bother piggybacking if you've got those guys that are that good. Well, you may not get to game four in the division series. <laughs> I know, right? Especially with those three guys. And and you do wonder if they did get to game four, maybe they just piggyback Javier, you know, or maybe they'd piggyback your kitty. Maybe or just they'd protect just like, him with somebody, yeah. Yeah. Give well, him a short idea, yeah. just say just say, Hey, we got three innings. If you need if you if if don't worry about it, you know, throw whatever you're gonna throw and we got you. Exactly. Um, Blow but it it's, out for it's, five innings, two times through, and then we'll see what happens. Exactly. And I and that's the other thing, too. I think you're right. The two times, three times through the lineup thing. I think the Astros are probably going to be more cautious with that, with the exception mm-hmm. probably of Verlander and Fromber because they both go deep into games. And, and yes. Verlander is pretty, you know basically a robot. Um, yeah. But when you, when you look at them, I think that's something they're going to be cautious about is getting into that third time through the lineup against any of these guys, especially when you've got such incredible leverage relievers like they do. I mean, when you can come in with Hunter Brown, when you can come in with these guys, I mean, you know, with, uh, uh, you know, Hector Neris, who's been pitching really well oh my lately. Gosh. On ter- um, so, yeah, it's, it's, and, and Brian Abreu had a little hiccup last night, if you can even call it that, frankly. Just walked yeah, He might have been hung over. Who knows? You know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's, let's, let's... Yeah, that's a good one. But, I almost but, asked wh- that question. I almost like, you know... Who, uh, I like, mean... Uh, we we tweeted out who who uh, who woke up feeling like a champion this morning. My first my other question was conversely, who woke up feeling hungover this morning? Yeah, but, yeah. I mean, it's gonna happen. <laughs> I mean, if if Abreu does that two or three times, and I'm going, okay, what's going right. on? But last night, whatever, it's an anomaly. You know, right. Presley came in and cleaned up the mess. Whatever. But sure. you, know, you know, it's interesting talking about our bullpen. You know, and you go back to that 2015 season where the the Royals basically had their pitchers go five innings and then they condensed the game with their bullpen. The Astros right. haven't had to do that in the regular season. No. They actually, in the postseason, might have the opportunity, if they have to, to condense that game and use their bullpen, you know, like you said, going from a Brown to Stanek, Neris, Montero, Presley, which is ridiculous <laughs> to think about, and just give those guys one I inning mean, a piece to get through the ball game, which seems certainly feasible if they have a 3-4 run lead, and that could just be the end of it. They could lock I'm it look- down. I'm just looking on my phone here because I took a, a photo of this on the screen last night, y'all, during your broadcast, where it showed the Astros starters ranks. Oh, my in gosh. The American League ranks. Innings first, strikeouts first, ERA first, whip first, opponents average first, opponents OPS first. I mean, what in? <laughs> that is just Dominance. nuts. That is just nuts. And I mean, we can sit here and talk about the, you know, sit here and just be like gushing all over them. But you're right. There is nothing to say other than they're just really, really good. You can, the only thing you can really do is nitpick here and there, um, 
which has got to be annoying for, you know, uh, people who love to complain about sports, <laughs> you know, yeah. even my, even my father-in-law, who is the consummate sports pessimist is like, mm. you know, I feel pretty good about him this year. And I was like, listen, you need to take that back. You're always a pessimist. But, um, I will say that it, it's been a remarkable season to watch them pitch the baseball. And I, I love, uh, run scored in a game. You know, I love a mm. good offensive game. But man, watching some of these guys pitch has been a real treat. And I don't think we can underestimate the incredible uh, pitching performance by Justin Verlander this year. And I hate to keep going back to it because I sound like a broken record. But at 39 years old, coming off surgery, it's nothing short of one of the most remarkable things I've ever seen in sports. I would place it right up there with the Hakeem Olajuwon games during Ramadan where he's playing at noon yeah. and not drinking any water during a game. It's that same level where you're looking at Verlander and you're going, it do, he doesn't seem like a guy that should be able to do anything like this. And yet here he is every single time out. Yeah. There's just something internal with those guys of greatness that, you know, we've, we've heard podcasts, we've seen yeah. documentaries, we've heard interviews right. and you try and, you know, decipher what exactly is going on inside that, that brain, because you, there's no way to mimic it. We try to replicate it. It doesn't usually work out, but there's just an extra gear in, inside these guys that understands how to perform at such a high level so consistently. And that's what we all marvel at. And that's exactly what Justin Verlander's doing. So in, instead of trying to figure it out, I think that TK and I just kind of sit up there and maybe you two just sit back and embrace it and enjoy it because this is, you know, this is generational type talent. This is generational yeah. type numbers. So you just got to sit back and enjoy it and marvel at it, appreciate it. And then, uh, you know, at the end of the season, hopefully we can sit back and watch the uh, World Series documentary and go, man, we rode the back of one of the greatest pitchers we've ever seen. Yeah, and I think it's I think that's an important note that that gets lost sometimes. Is you, you hear it, especially younger fans. They don't. I know I didn't appreciate it when I was when I was a kid watching some of the greatness. So I, as I got gotten older, I've been like, okay, I'm going to really watch this because this is not this is not normal. Uh, be you know stuff. <laughs> so now that we are getting close to the postseason, the next question is: Who do we think the Astros should like? Who do they think they're going to be best against when we do get to the ALDS? Um, right now, it appears that you know you've got um, the Blue Jays, Rays, Mariners, and the Coast Guardians are probably not going to be. They're not going to be one of the buy teams. That's probably going to be Astros and Yankees. So. How do we rank those in terms of who we want to face and what makes the most sense? I haven't really checked closely their records, but I'm not sure that even makes that much difference. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Where, where do you think the matchups are best within, within that group of teams? Well, I, I think we got a quick answer on the Tampa Bay Rays. I didn't know it was <laughs> going to be this quick, but uh, you know, if if uh, McClanahan's not able to come back from that left yeah. neck stiffness or whatever he came out of the game yeah. with the other day with, you know, that's obviously a concern. And then the, the, there's rumors of Tyler Glass now being able to maybe make an appearance in the postseason. How effective is he going to be? Yeah. Is always a question. But I think as far as offense is concerned. Our pitching for the Astros matches up ridiculously well against these guys. I, you know, I don't, I don't think that's going to be an issue. So I think the Tampa Bay Rays would have to be that, that number one team that you do want to play against because I do feel like you could play well against them and put them away. And uh, after that, you know, maybe the Cleveland Indians, maybe in that second spot as far as who you would want uh -huh. to face. I think Guardians, that, you almost Guardians, you almost, dang, you did I do it. that all the time. <laughs> 
Who I mean, does it's it? not out of like, insensitivity. Insensitivity no, is just, just out of repetition. Yeah, right. Um, so the Guardians, because I think there's one one guy in that lineup. Obviously, you got to worry about is Jose Ramirez, and the oh, Astros yeah. pitch extremely well. But if the more you're facing him without runners on base, I think the better that series goes for the opposing team. And I think that's why the Astros yeah. can play well against them because. They're fearless in the sense they know how to pitch to guys, but they're also very good at keeping guys off base. And if you can face Jose Ramirez yeah. more often than not with nobody on base, you're going to be in great shape. Their, their pitching is good. Their bullpen is really good. You know, Karen Chak mm-hmm. has really stepped up, and then you have Classe. Yep. So there's two guys out of that bullpen you're kind of fearful of facing with a lead. But at the same time, I think the Astros' offense can overwhelm them a little bit. Bieber's been really good. Tristan McKenzie's been really good. The wild card for me is the Mariners. Yeah, are they going to be healthy? Number one, Ijuanio Suarez is on the injured list. Can he come back? Julio Rodriguez, I, I'm, I don't know what's going on with him, but he took a couple days off. Is he hurt? Is he healthy? Uh, Ty France is—they swing the bats, but I think that they're pitchable. Uh, other than those three guys, there might be some holes in there. Hanniger hasn't come back and been the guy that no. we think he is. But the he pitching staff, you know, the starting pitching with the addition of Luis Castillo yeah. and the way that Gilbert has pitched here recently is a little concerning. But the way they've swung it against Robbie Ray, I mean, geez, they've destroyed that poor guy. They but really uh, have uh, that would be Ray. a curious matchup for me because there'd be a lot of emotion in that series. I think you're right. I think the Mariners are the team I don't want to face um, just because, number one, they've been just rolling for, you know, mm-hmm. half a season. Uh, they're, they, this is an emotional series for them because this would be the first time they've been to the postseason in 20 years, uh, playing in Seattle would be, you know, that place, the Astros, yeah, they absolutely hate the Astros. Emotionally for me, I don't want to face the Blue Jays because I don't want to face George Springer, man. (laughs) I'm with you. I don't want to see, I mean, the thought of George Springer hitting a game winning home run makes me ill. (laughs) <laughs> it makes me it physically ill. I'm like, oh. No, I, I'm 100% with you. I just don't want to see They're scary, man. Oh, yeah, that's the other thing. Is they, they, it's, they can It's rake. interesting with them, too, because they have the, they've had this kind of uh, up and down sort of thing this year where they've been, you know, they just have moments where they're just almost impossible to beat and other moments where you kind of look at them and go, what's mm-hmm. going on with all that? So you just, they're obviously their pitching is not as, as you know, it's not going to be anywhere close to what the Astros do, but they, yeah. but there is just something about them that, yeah, I'm with you. I think the Rays are your best bet, uh, despite the fact that I might not have said that, you know, six, eight weeks ago. Oh, um, I'm with you. Yeah. But now clearly, and especially if Tyler Glasnow is not able to come back, or even if he comes back at half speed, I'm not sure if he's going to give them that much. Enough. You know, oh, and forget it if uh, if their pitcher doesn't come back. I mean, if he is, if that's yeah, the McClanahan neck doesn't stiffness, come back, no chance. Neck discomfort, uh, you know, or whatever. Well, you it know is. what that's from? That was from this. That was from releasing the pitch and then going, oh dang, turning his head, watching <laughs> the ball go to the wall. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Here it goes. There's another one. I think it's just whiplash yeah. of just from fear. We did get yeah. a couple of questions this week, so I want to hit up a couple of these things nice. before we get. Uh, so Thank you first one was a, a buddy of mine asked me this, and he we were talking about uh, last week. We had talked about how the rules are going to impact uh, pitching and the pitch count. But one of the things you brought up, and a couple of people have mentioned this to me, they you brought up the fact of how this is really going to kind of change uh, catchers and for catchers and what mm-hmm. they're going to have to do because of this sped up sort of thing. 
And I know that we've started to see over the last decade a, a sort of a change in the catching position just in general. Uh, there's mm-hmm. been a less of an emphasis on offense and more of an a, a, a emphasis on defensively and managing the game with pitchers. I wonder if this is going to even further that into the realm of like we really need a guy on the on on the uh, uh, on the field that's like a field manager type deal and 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 the question was how do we think this is going to affect catchers going forward? Is this going to change sort of the position? I th- I think it is going to have an impact because like you're saying with the pitch clock, you know, the, there's issues with that. You know, the base runners are going to be able to time it. The base runners are, I mean, the bases are bigger, so you're shortening the distance, and then the limited pickoffs. There's certain things that are definitely trying to push the action in the game in the direction of speed. So maybe yeah. you see lineups constructed differently too. So you're going to have guys out there maybe taking more chances on the base paths. Therefore, you're going to have to have a catcher who can catch well and uh, make pop times their their you know their emphasis, arm strength. There might be a different development in that defensive position behind home plate. The other thing I think it's going to affect with that pitch clock is the idea of you can't sit there and mull over or look at a wristband and say, okay, what pitch do I throw in a one-two count? What is this guy susceptible to? What's a scouting report? You have to have a cerebral guy that's able to have that wheel yeah. turning constantly in their skull. As soon as that pitch is released, come up, the guy didn't go, throw it back to the pitcher, I immediately have to give a sign because you've only got 15 to 20 seconds to be able to get those numbers relayed or they get the pitches relayed. And if he shakes, then what? Then you have to be <laughs> able to quickly get to the next pitch right. and agree on something. So it's the defensive aspect. Maybe the athleticism changes a little bit for the catchers. And again, the cerebral, being able to be uh, – cognitively aware at all times right. behind home plate. We're going to have to give these guys a test in calculus every single yeah. time. It's, we're going to have to run yeah, drills they're have to on like how be spotters for snipers. You know what I mean? I, they're going to have to do the trigonometry <laughs> yeah. in their heads. They're going to have to like, they're going to, and, and I think a lot of those guys too are going to have to just, they're going to have to drill that. I can't imagine. I yeah. mean, look, they drill everything, you know, that we don't even think of. And, and certainly you've been through, but I would think they're going to have to drill. Like they're going to have to have questions be like, all right, it's three and one count against this guy. What do you do? You know, there's going to have to be a mm-hmm. lot of that instantaneous recognition. And unfortunately, the Astros are pretty well set at the moment uh, yeah. with Maldi in there. Uh, but it is going to be real interesting to watch that. The other question we had uh, came from at Slight Clutter. She said um, that Bregman has made some uh, incredible plays um, this year uh, behind Fromber. Says wondering, she's wondering who has mesmerized you over the year with their in with their defensive abilities like who do you place up there as some of the best guys you've ever seen or played with defensively I mean across the league I'd have to go to Nolan Arenado the, you know I'm actually friends with that guy so I've had a chance to kind of be around him and interact and uh, you know, there was a guy back in the day named Khalil Green that I was just fascinated by because their creativity and body control is what makes them incredible. And that's where, you know, that was something I lacked was the creativity. I was like, well, that ball's over there. The base is over there. How the hell am I going to get that ball from there to there? <laughs> but these guys consistently find a way. And I think a lot of it has to do with anticipation. They're always mm-hmm. expecting the baseball. But uh, this day and age, Nolan Arenado is one of those guys. But I really think that Alex Bregman being healthy has made him a a great third baseman and really done a good job uh, being able to predict and adapt and adjust to where some of these baseballs are and maybe even expanded his uh, 
UZ, UZR, if you will, because mm -hmm. he's been able to charge so well, move to his left so well. Yeah. Uh, the other guy that's kind of a magician for me, dude, Yuli Gurley, Guriel at first base, and his ability to scoop throws at first base is ridiculous. Yeah. It's very I mean, they're, underrated. They're, it's it's highly underrated, and everybody takes it for granted because all you see in the in the scorebook is six three four three five three putouts. Right. But in reality, if 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 he makes those plays only sixty percent of the time, there's thirty there's thirty more base runners that are on base, and what does that lead to? That leads to more runs. So the fact that he's able to protect guys' fielding percentages and he literally is keeping base runners off base has been yeah. a lot of fun to watch. He's he is an absolute magician with that glove. I am really I'm glad you brought up Yuli Gurriel because I think first baseman for years had been so underrated at their mm -hmm. I, it used to be in the old days you know you would stick the guy there it was like putting him in left field you know it was like the guy who really isn't that great of a defensive player yeah trying to hide him on there so you can get him in you so you can get him in the lineup especially when there was no DH in uh in the National League but I got to tell you I am 100% in agreement with you. The ability to pick it is really <laughs> difficult. If you've ever had somebody throw anything at you that bounced True. in front of you and you didn't literally jump out of the way and scream like a small child, <laughs> then you, yeah, I mean, that's really what most people would do. These guys stand in front of a baseball coming at them high yeah. and like figure out, okay, it's going to hit the ground. And it's either going to pop up in the air and smack me in the face, or I'm going to get my glove down on it and I'm going to stop it and make a play. I mean, that's just that kind of thing is just remarkable to me. And I'm glad you brought it up. Nolan Aaron, that's a really good name, too, uh, mm -hmm. because that guy is a magician. You know, that the creativity, the ability to sort of like make those spin moves and be able to. And in the hops, they have the ability to get up quickly after <laughs> grabbing something off the ground and be able to have the presence of mind to get it. I'll tell you just to, just as one side note on defensively, Jose Altuve with a just a speaking of creativity with a double play last night that was worthy of top ten plays <laughs> made like that look snag, too easy. I know that's the thing. It was how how difficult that was. Yet it looked like it was no big deal whatsoever. He just snatched that ball at line drive and then just flipped it exactly flipped it like, a, like almost like a no look, just like mm -hmm. eh, whatever. Is classic. That's I tell you what, man. It, it's good to see a team like the Astros who really do have that great defensive ability. Um, it makes watching the game a lot of fun, and it certainly, I'm sure, makes pitchers feel a lot better about it too. Yeah, no, that, that's what a lot of people overlook is because we sit there and say pitching, whiff percentages, you know, yeah. strikeout percentages, spin rates, velocity, this and that. But <laughs> if you if you sit those guys down and talk to them, they will eventually say, "Man, knowing that I can pitch to contact and my defense is going to pick me up is huge." Yeah, no doubt. All right, well, thanks, everybody, for joining us. Uh, Blummer, any final thoughts uh, as you get ready to wrap up Tampa Bay and head for the lovely confines of Baltimore? Four more road <laughs> like games out of the and I frying will be pan in and into the fire? Park. Yeah, no, I mean, just I'm, I love Camden Yards. Uh, yeah. Love Baltimore. Four more road games. Get me out of my suitcase. Get me at Minute Maid Park calling some games right. and then put me in the seats for some playoff games. Let's go. Absolutely. Let's do it. All right. We'll be back uh, in a few days here with an abbreviated or Habsies version, we'll call it. We're just getting started <laughs> with the podcast. Have lots of good things planned. Love to hear, you, hear from you. Love for you to join us. Give us a follow. Drop us a comment. Hit that subscribe button like Jordan hits a baseball with righteous vengeance. Boom. And uh, please send us all your comments and questions. Hit us up on Twitter, and we'll talk to you soon. Go Astros.
This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.